Welcome to StoryCast, the official podcast of Story Church Colorado Springs, where we talk about stories that change lives. Today on the program, we have Carlton and Molly Oliver joining us from Los Angeles to talk about multi-ethnic issues in America and the church. We hope you enjoy the show. Everybody, I uh, wanted to welcome you to the Story Church podcast. My name is Brandon Shoup, and I'm the pastor here. Uh, this is actually our very first podcast, and I believe that first things matter. Um, what you do first says something about who you are and about the trajectory of your organization or your personal life or whatever. And I think that given the context of our nation right now, uh, the context of the world right now, it's important to have the right discussions, the right conversations. And we've obviously 2020 has been, well, crazy is maybe an understatement. We've had wildfires in Australia. We have had locust swarms in Africa. We've had a worldwide pandemic. And now we've seen uh, more recently several instances of, of terrible injustices um, against minorities here in the United States. And so I want to take some time today and have a conversation with two of my favorite people, um, two people that I love and have loved for a long time. Uh, Carlton and Molly Oliver are joining us from LA today. Um, and Carlton and I have been friends for over 20 years. We went to college together. He had the unfortunate uh, experience of living across the hall from me um, in college. And then he and his beautiful wife, uh, Molly, have been married for 11 years now. Is that right? Almost 11 in October, yeah. Okay, okay. So um, with that, I, why don't you guys just take a moment and introduce yourselves. Sure. Uh, so hello, everyone, I guess you could say. Or just uh, My name's Carlton, obviously. Uh, my wife Molly and I have been married uh, almost 11 years. Brandon's a friend of mine from way back, but Brandon sang in our wedding um, and has been a good friend of mine for a long time. We uh, have been here in LA ever since uh, we, we met in 2006 um, and have really just um, been blessed to grow a family. We have two boys uh, that are ages nine and seven. Um, we have, I've worked professionally uh, in the higher ed world, um, currently a doctoral student finishing my doctorate in organizational leadership. Um, my wife has been amazingly taking care of our boys, growing our family, and um, and we're we're just excited to you know to to be with Brandon to tell a little bit of our story and um, hopefully uh, have it encourage or bless the listeners today. Yeah. Um, I would just add, thank you so much. It's just an honor to be with you on your first podcast. Mm -hmm. I didn't even know this was your first, so. Um, thank you for trusting us, inviting us. It's such a joy. And um, just add that I really appreciate the name story. I think, um, you know, the, the history of humanity and God has been a long story fixed with the generalities of the story and the particulars, the specifics and each individual person who's mattered to God. And um, I've been thinking about that a lot since you shared with us your, you know, your heart and your vision and I love it. So just wanted to say that. <laughs> well, you're hired, Molly. Like you, you, are, uh, you do a better job. So yeah, she's angling, bro. She's angling here. Colorado in the future, maybe. Who Dude, knows? It's God's country. I, that's all I can say. 
So, and I, I just <laughs> represent, and I know you're, oh, you're a Quebec Nordiques I, fan. Like, yeah, I get back for you. Yeah, we, you know, we still think that hockey is a game for the Canadians, but um, yeah, you know, you guys had your day for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see if the we'll see if the NHL season gets back this year, if, if anything happens, but. Anyway, well, again, thank you guys for being here. I so appreciate you and your willingness. And I think, you know, as we talked about this ahead of time, we talked about some ideas about how maybe our conversation might go. And I know that, you know, as you guys prepared to get married, that you approached your marriage with great intentionality, even specifically about racial reconciliation, knowing that because you came from different backgrounds, different cultures, that there would be challenges there, but that you both felt sort of a heart and a call toward reconciliation and you wanted your marriage to be um, an example of that, as I recall. So could you just talk about that a little bit? Um, yeah, I, you know, I, I'll, I, I think I might say it a little differently. I'll, let's, I'll, I'll do it like this. So uh, for me, I grew up uh, about an hour outside of LA and um, I grew up in a Christian home. I grew up with parents who were uh, very pro African American, you know, they were they were civil rights kids, but uh, fortunately they were people who were who were godly first. They wanted um, me to understand that God doesn't really get caught up in 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 the color of stuff. God gets caught up in the culture of things, and He gets caught up even more in the character. So uh, the distinction for me was always that didn't really matter what you look like. It, it was a kind of the person you were. And I think for me, I took that into, you know, my dating relationships, like college, you know, it didn't really matter. Um, I guess you had to be pretty for me. That was one thing, but um, on the inside. I, mean, I roll. Yeah. Anyways. Um, but like the one thing that I, I knew myself, I wasn't going to do was I wasn't going to limit God. I definitely wanted to be married. I definitely wanted to grow and have a family. And I just felt like, who was I to like limit God? I wanted to get the best person for me, the best person available and the person I felt like God was going to bring into my path and, and have that be the one. Um, and so I, um, I wasn't going to tie it down to she had to look like this. She had to, you know, whatever like it just she could she had to be this color um i knew pretty much right away when i first met molly that there was something unique about her she actually wasn't saved at the time so um i was like okay how are you going to work this out god um but he did and i've never ever regretted you know marrying my best friend and without a doubt the best person i know for me yeah i think i would add also um you know, at our marriage has been really intentional um, towards truth right. mm. um, and not favoring any specific parts of truth. Right. Um, we've prayed often and long for God's eyes and God's heart. And I think, you know, when we first met, um, it's funny now being together and having a lot of experience together, mm. I realized that a lot of the world looks at us and says, wow, you're black and white. Mm -hmm. But that was never an aspect of our relationship. It was never because very, I mean, obviously we understand how people see us, 
but with one another, we were home. And that was a really early on recognition we had. Um, and I think the intention was, I know, we know the history, we know what you might say to us, but when I see you, right. I wanna know who you are. Mm -hmm. I wanna know how you interpret your experiences and your emotions and your faith and your mind and your ideas about sports and about history and about seeing the world and about raising kids. And it wasn't, hey, let me look through your cultural lens because I see you as so different. In fact, I have to dispel that myth. The biggest difference in our cultural growing up was that I didn't grow up Christian. Mm. My family's not Christian. Nobody talks about Jesus in my family. And that has been the biggest difference um, culturally. I, and I think that it's really important to face the truth that race is a man-made thing. If God came down and looked, he'd say, why are all of these children sitting over here and all of those children sitting over there? And why are they saying other? Because that's a very man-made reality. Right. And I think it is really important to understand. It's really important to attack. It's really important to be educated. But it's also equally important to say, um, I won't let that influence my world. I'm going to be intentional about walking to the other side of the room. I'm going to be intentional about knowing it. But when I meet you, you're just you. And I give you the freedom to be you and to define you and to, um, you know, share your story. Yeah. What's your story? Because there's a lot of stories and they're different. Yeah. And they're also really the same. So. Yeah, I love that, Molly. And I think like one of the things that I think about when this, about this, maybe two things. One is that we're all white, black, Asian, Latin, whatever, we're all imprinted with the exact same image of God, right? And I think part of that is that the, the differences that we have are actually expressions of his beauty, of his character, of his creativity. And when we, we begin to see ourselves as, like you said, as one race and not within these, uh, these man-made constructs of those divisions, we start to see the image of God and the value of one another, the intrinsic, sacred, holy value of one another's lives. There's beauty there. And I had this moment, <clears throat> excuse me, just this last Christmas where I had, um, I was supposed to uh, preach at, um, at, a, at, do some Christmas Eve services at the jail here. And I remember thinking in that moment, I was like, oh my gosh, what am I going to say? You know, like uh, these guys all have very, very different experiences than I do. And I have, you know, before I was saved, I had some, you know, I have some things that happened in my life where I could have gone a different direction, obviously, but but the last 25 years of my life have been very, very different from the lives of these guys. And I, I remember praying and thinking, well, what do I have to say? What do I have to say that, how can, how can I relate to these guys? How can I find some common ground? And then I just, like, I realized, you know, just scientifically, we are 99.9% .9 identical from a DNA standpoint. And we have so much more in common with one another than we do that is different. But like to me, it's it's just miraculous that in that one tenth of one percent, the variety and the difference and the beauty and the creativity, all of those things are expressed. But the only thing that's really different about us is what you just said, Molly, is our stories. Is that they are there are commonalities. There are there are things that are the same, but 
really our experiences and our stories are the only things that make us unique and how we tell those stories and how we listen for those stories in one another becomes the way that we connect. Right. Yeah, no, that's it. That's it. It's, um, you know, it's challenging because as a, you know, as a, as a history guy and as like my professional studies have been a lot of kind of diving into like this, even this concept of whiteness and, mm -hmm. and, and blackness and, how these things are responses to each other. There's like, you know, a real big long rabbit hole that you can go into to figure out how we got to where we are today. Um, you know, we're sitting here in LA. We've had curfews the last three days, four days. I think right. our, yesterday's was at five o'clock. I mean, they're locking things up. It's, you know, there's a lot of unrest, obviously, but it's such a man-made construct. It's not a God made thing and when i go and and seek god and when i go just to try to find some confirmation on how we're gonna you know find truth when i go into like the book of acts and stuff i don't ever see any of these distinctions that that we maybe even the american church but the church in general right now that we make you know this this oh this is the black church and this is the white church and right. i don't see that stuff in in god's bible and, and, and in the book of Acts, which I think is, you know, probably the best opportunity for us to look at what the church is supposed to, the model is supposed to be like, I see a spot where a lot of people come together. They're from different places. And the one thing that they have in common is they are sold out going for God. And the Holy Spirit is like there in a big way. And I think when the Holy Spirit is there, um, the truth that we're seeking gets affirmed. Mm -hmm. I think that's, um, that's been my experience at least. Yeah, it's good. So you're talking about sort of the unrest and the, the curfews and lockdowns, the rioting and all of that. I guess one of the questions I have is what, um, what are you telling, I mean, you have young, young boys mm -hmm. um, who you're trying to raise up intentionally and, and to engage the world in a certain way. So what, if anything, are you telling them right now? <laughs> We're telling them a lot. <laughs> What you can go. Um, what do you think? I would say, you know, we are careful with what we expose our kids to, but we're also very believe it's really important that our kids learn from a young age uh, the truth, which is we are in a spiritual battle and there is good and there is evil and they are powerful. Um, and that they, even as young children, have power and responsibility um, and that their choices matter. So, you know, that, that theme, that message echoes throughout everything we tell them, whether it's, you know, how you're sharing the apple slices on the table or how we're talking about the protests and why there are lots of helicopters in our area and why all the buildings are boarded up. Um, I think the second thing I would say is we are very careful with the language we use. Right. Okay. It is powerful, right? I mean, God used words to create things. Our words carry a lot of weight um and our kids you know yes they're developing a worldview but they're also developing an identity right um they're not 30 you know they're seven and they're nine they're learning two plus two is four they're learning you know our language and how to write and they're learning who they are and it's really critical to us that um words like black white mixed are not part of their identity those are labels that have been used throughout history to divide and oppress. 
Those are not labels that apply to God's children. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yes, they know those words exist. And yes, um, you know, we, we've read historical books. They know um, that people are not treated equally historically or now. Um, but they've never heard us use those words to describe people. Because when we describe people, we're very intentional about, you know, how do you see this person's relationship with God? Oh, why don't you pray for that person? Or how how do you see this person? Um, What do you, what can you learn from that person? Oh, that friend is really caring that, you know, and we use the language of who are people, who are people to God? How does he see them? What can you pray for them? And so I think for us, it's really important that they know the world, but do not define themselves by the world. Um, That they define themselves by God's people here on earth to bring his kingdom to come. What is his kingdom full of? Compassion, kindness, love for one another. Who can you be a neighbor to? You can be a neighbor to anyone you can be a neighbor to. Who are your brothers and sisters? The people who love God. And, and that's, so that's, we're all, we're, you know, I, that would be my one encouragement to parents is just really be careful about the words you're using. Yeah, that's good. Um, It kind of leads me to another question. Like, so there's the concept of like you, you lead first in your home and then beyond. Um, So obviously your home is intentional space and the way that you craft what you teach and tell your children is very it's obvious that like it's stuff that not only you're just thinking about now but it's stuff that you've thought about previously as you were leading up to this okay and and you're you know you're continuing to learn and grow as you go um but but the world you know you you mentioned that those things are man-made labels and those are things that historically have have carried um significant meaning um most of the time negative um so how do we how do we go about um deconstructing those constructs for people who don't share um the same faith journey so are you saying how do we do it like for our kids like how do we you know have them live in this world knowing that that kind of thing exists or are you saying how do we reach out to those people who aren't believers and encourage them to sort of dismantle that stuff yeah i think more along the second side of that like how are we how do we engage with one another you know we have the yeah we have the benefit of you know a long storied relationship as well as um the thing that binds us together the most is our is our shared faith in jesus so we have that benefit so we can have conversations like this and say no that's those aren't labels that god puts on people those are labels that people put on people well how do we have those conversations with people who don't share the same faith uh foundation yeah it's interesting it's um it's a lot of what we've been spending time on and thought on here recently um when you go into social media when you go into whatever instance it is where you know you're dealing with a lot of people that aren't maybe close friends um, we see a lot of responses on social media and stuff. And we're like, Oh, probably not the way we would say it. How do we do it? And I think what we've come up with right now is first our life, right? First, we're, we really work to be consistent in the life we live being something that it resonates with, you know, what we talk about and what we believe. So the stuff that Molly just talked about for us, 
it's the stuff that we try to do when we're coaching the boys in basketball or, you know, together at church. Like we try to be intentional about our language. We try to almost let people know that it's a little different. Like we we call out people, honestly, when they use the term mixed and we don't call them out in like a bad way, but we say, yeah, it's not really language we use. We feel like we're all mixed, you know, everyone's mixed in some capacity. Um, so but, just practically speaking, yeah. you know, for the people who are going, okay, well, what do I say? Is, is biracial the yeah. proper term there? Uh, you know, there's so much, it, I, we use multi-ethnic because if you really broke it down, Carlton um, looks black, but my mom is, you know, is Molly's color. My father is, uh, is we know he's got some uh, background in Africa and then also Native American. So for us using, and Molly, the same thing. Can Euroma, I just interject for yeah, a yeah, yeah. I think the important question, Brandon, there is to ask, why do we need to label it? Why sure. is it significant? And I think, I think the answer to that question is, well, it's, it's significant as far as cultural currency. It's significant as far as, um, right. it's significant as far as, you know, some people want to have a label. I associate with this and you need to know what I've gone through. Right. Or I, right. I associate with this and you need to know that I'm not, you know, I'm an ally and, and I might not know this territory and I want to be really honoring. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes that's well-intentioned, but a lot of times it's protective, divisive. Yeah. It's, it's reactionary to yeah. culture and not to truth. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think those are the, I, I would say, you know, cause when I see my kids walking down the street, I see kids. Yeah. Oh, they're kids. They're not cuter. They're not different. They, you know, they, yeah. they, they, they're either one maybe struggles with reading. One can jump higher. Um, one really likes sci-fi, you know, they're, and that's where we're going. We have to honor the stories of history, but that's where we're really careful with words as far as, how we define. you know, how we define. And, you know, I'm really intentional, Brandon. I know what people see when they see me. If I go into a restaurant first, most people are going to expect my husband to look like you, not like Carlton. That's just what we've been taught culturally. I know that. So when I go into a restaurant first and say my husband's meeting me, I don't say he's African-American because I want you, not you, Brandon, but the person to be caught in that trap and yeah. realize I've been taught something that isn't the case all the time. Yeah, you should tell them about Nordstrom. And so I'm really, I never describe my kids. Like I say, you know what? They're tall. One has really short hair. One doesn't have teeth in the front because if I run upon someone mm -hmm. and they catch themselves saying, oh, I didn't expect that. Mm -hmm. I want them to catch themselves. Yeah. That's where the change happens because we have to start seeing it before it's out there. You have to start seeing, I can date this and, and, and he is my same heart. Mm -hmm. Right. You don't see same. People in America, by and large, are not taught the same. Right, right. But it is. Yeah. So, I don't know. I'm sorry. I went on a little no, rant No, no, that's there, good. That's but, good. I mean, but, um, and we've had that, you know, that experience. Like, you know, we've been fortunate to travel. And um, it's, it, it's, it's not, it's a man thing, right? We are fallen. And we, 
we look, I mean, I do it, you know, I do it myself. Like at times, I, now I don't express it or anything, but I have an expectation when I see someone, what their spouse may or may not look like. And, uh, and for me, it's been something to have to grow into, to be happy, uh, to see couples that look like us as, um, like to kind of dispel, you know, what, what I think is, I grew up with, right? And even though I was taught so well about how to value people, you still deal with it. You know, you go to, to university in Tulsa, and for me, that was the most segregated place I'd ever seen. Like, yeah. I could not believe how much we had, like, a lot of diversity within our school. Yeah. But boy, people kept, you know, to their side of things. And that just never really seemed like that was was God's heart and so for me it was never congruent with how I wanted to be yeah I, I agree oh, I agree and, and Carlson I think that's something that that's one of the things I love about you is that you're just my friend and right. Right. like I you know you, there were like there were you know depending on the label you want to put on it there were there were people who just kept to themselves right. and and there were people who felt like they had to keep to themselves like Tulsa itself is the probably the most segregated city I've ever lived in I was right. I was baffled to see like there is North Tulsa and there is South Tulsa and there is East Tulsa and they are very, very, very different places. And I don't mean to like call out Tulsa and, you know, oh, yeah. shame them or anything. It was eye opening for me. Yeah. And then to just like, but the experience I had had growing up was like, my friends were my friends and whether, and yeah, they all, we all look different from one another, like yeah. our, our hair color or our skin tone or our, our, body fat percentage or whatever like we just we had differences but we were just friends and i i've i've never been i don't i can't think of a single time Carlson, where like you and i have had an interaction where i felt like oh i have to be i have to be really careful because of this or because of that because you're just great at being friends with people yeah you know it's i mean it's complex you know because i can think of times when we've hung out um where it was also important to say, hey, this is my experience, right? Right. And, and for me, as you know, one of the few African-American guys on the floor that we lived on and stuff, you know, I remember, I believe it was the O.J. Simpson yeah. uh, trial was going on when we were in school, yeah. you know? We were, I remember that. Old, yeah. <laughs> and, um, I was in driver's ed. Yeah, you were a little younger. But I remember, you know, like, how I felt when, when they said he was not guilty because I felt like there was so much pressure to be, you know, kind of this certain kind of person. And if he had been convicted, it would have felt like all that pressure um, was just going to be doubled or tripled on me and how I lived and feeling like relief. And like, I know yeah. that's a super sensitive thing. Like I'm not even into like what the final deal was, but I remember I needed to be able to express who I was. And yeah. the fact of the matter was I was able to do it with my brothers that I live with. And I think, you know, some guys maybe didn't, you know, didn't agree or whatever, but we were, at least we had that on our floor. We had guys that would say, Hey, look, you can be someone who doesn't, who, who is you and defines yourself as you want. And that doesn't mean that to be pro black, is to be anti-white you know what i mean it, right. it doesn't mean that kind of thing right um i just wanted to add something really quickly because you said something in response to brandon's question last night that i thought was really good hmm. um 
and Brandon, you're like going to regret inviting us long-winded couple to your no, podcast here. You'll be like, ah, they talk too much. But um, no, take the pressure off of me. Where do we start? What do we do? Yeah. You know, we see all of this. Um, and Carlton last night we were discussing, and he said, you know, it's it, you start inside. You start yeah. at your own heart. You know, and I always, for myself, faith-wise, just look at my heart compared to God's heart. And I'm like, how do you see this God? How do you see it? Because the way I see it is, you know, if it's, if it's, you know, we're something about our kids or something about our finances, I'm like, Oh God, I'm not really seeing this, you know, mm -hmm. show me your eyes. And I always know his heart's right. And I need to match mine to his. So I, I love that you said you start with yourself. You start with like yourself and look back and say, um, you know, where's my heart. And then we have responsibility as Christians with everything we inherit, whether it's culturally or familially, if you inherited a, a family history of a lot of anger or a lot of repressing feelings, it's yours. You know, you didn't, you didn't start that, but you have a responsibility to look yeah. at it and bring it in line with God's word. Yeah. And so I think, so we look at our hearts and then we look at history and we say, what did, what did my school teach me? What did I learn from my upbringing? Where, where's my responsibility to educate myself or to alter my heart or to yeah. make, you know, vote, make, you know, where do I have strength? But then I think, you know, it's frustrating and beautiful at the same time. Jesus's ministry was personal. It's person to person. It's listening right. to stories and it's accepting where we are in history and, and the process because some people's process right now doesn't look like ours right. and that's okay. We have to be okay with that. You might not wake up tomorrow. Yeah the proverbial you and say, Oh, all of a sudden the lights on, I get it. I get, I have my voice in this. We have a long time of not discussing these things together with, um, with knowledge, with awareness, with empathy, with compassion, the conversation starting. That's great. You know, it's going to be messy and it's going to be a process. And I think, um, it starts inside so you can be authentic and you can know where you stand and you can go in and continue the process of what God's will for you is in this story um, with his heart. Yeah, that's really uh, good. Because I think like if you pick any issue, like there's, there's everything is complex in our world. Like I just, I heard something this morning that the amount of information in the world doubles every yeah. 12 months. Like that's, that's crazy to think how much is out there and how much knowledge is out there. And you know, as, as an academic, Carlton, you know, like the more you know about something, the more you realize how little you know about it. Yeah. And so everything is multifaceted. Everything is nuanced and complex. And I think it's why like some of the platitudes that we hear can yeah. feel shallow or even demeaning. So, so with that in mind, like how do we, how do we, how do we begin that conversation? Like we talked about this the other day, Carlton, that like we're talking about trying to build into healthy community, right? Where we just see one another for who, God made us to be and hopefully empower us, empower one another to be who he actually wants us to be. But like, we, we only get to community with, with intentional conversation. Right. And like, there's a certain amount of affinity that can get us to conversation. Like, Oh, I like that person. I, I, I seem like I click with them. And then that allows me to step into deeper conversation. But sometimes we don't have that affinity. We don't have that shared experience where so how do we, I guess the other way towards conversation is intentionality. So how do we how do we begin to have intelligent, nuanced, 
intentional conversation with one another. Yeah, it's, it's a challenge. Um, and, you know, as I was thinking about it, we were talking about this some last night, like Molly mentioned. Um, the main thing that I got is the one advantage, the one difference that we have over everyone else is the Holy Spirit. Mm. And I think really pressing in through prayer and asking God to lead, giving him sort of the reign, I think that's the best angle we can go. I think the Holy Spirit can do things because at the end of the day, this isn't like a battle with other people, right? This right. is this is not flesh and blood that we're, you know, arguing with. And this is a spiritual thing. And I think that when we allow the Holy Spirit to come in and to do his work, um, he's the warm knife, man, that's gonna go through the butter. Like he's gonna he's gonna cut through stuff and, and give us the opportunity to really speak the words and I think have people see the heart that we might want to try to convey as we look to, you know, to build these bridges. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you go in with the idea too, with the faith that you're going to be uncomfortable sometimes, Yeah. but every Christian who's followed God knows that God kind of likes you uncomfortable. <laughs> you know, I mean, he does. It's, it's kind of like a way that he, he, and so you go, it's like, I mean, he told what Abram, let go. And he didn't know where he was going. And I think that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Go yeah. anyway. Yeah. I mean, because that's what God, you know, this this whole thing is at the end of the day about currency, right? It's about the currency that God that that matters to God, which is faith. And so trusting him, um, I think I think it's important to be educated. I think it's important okay. to be yes. um compassionate obviously but to do things with god's heart and you know the best ability that you can uh to put him first and go out there and say hey i want to listen to you i want to know i think that's probably first you know is to, to to be under to what's the saying to seek to understand first and then be understood um but i think doing that all in god's with god's heart and asking the holy spirit to lead is the is the smartest way to go yeah. Yeah. So as I think about that, like, I think you're right on, like the, the real value in it is that we have the benefit of having Holy Spirit in, in our hearts who can guide and direct and lead us in all truth. Like, like the scripture promises us. Um, but I, you, you hit on something else too. Like there, it's still important. And Molly, you said this earlier too, like, I can't help how I was born. I can't help my family of origin. I can't help the way that I was raised or educated. Um, to a point, but at some point I have to take personal responsibility and go, okay, wait a minute, this is something I don't know everything about right. or enough about. So I have to take that personal responsibility and say, okay, how can I learn? What can I do to, to as best as I can understand the experiences of someone who has walked a different path than I have? So do you have like um, a specific or a couple of resources or something like that you think would be for someone who's saying, Hey, I, I grew up in podunk white wherever, and I just never experienced anybody of a different culture or vice versa. Like, um, do you have a good resource that you can think of that people could go, Hey, this is a great starting point. Um, do you, I was going to let you go first. Cause I was thinking of your guy. John like, Perkins. Mm -hmm. 
Um, yeah, I mean, I think just start. I think one yeah. of the things that I, I really want to say is, number one, the, the, the system that has created and perpetuated injustices yeah. in this country yeah. is the same system that has made sure that if you grew up in Podunk, White County somewhere, you don't know about it. Mm. It's the same system. Right. It has oppressed your education to the point that half of American history, possibly the most impactful undercurrent, which is, let's just call it evil, you don't know about. Mm -hmm. You read about how the Emancipation Proclamation went through, but you don't know that it was just free to go figure it out amongst a community of people that didn't want to be near you. Mm -hmm. You don't know that because it was like, hooray for Lincoln. And, mm -hmm. and no shame but that's it's the same system right okay so start what do the books look like that you read who are the people you're listening to the second thing i want to say is just because you read one book that's not everybody's voice right. my fear right now for people that are buying the 10 books on the list and they're going to read it and they'll be like i know the african-american experience no you don't you read 10 books and that's awesome it's wonderful i want to read all of those voices but i know that voice belongs to her just like my voice belongs to me yeah i don't want to speak for all of the you know so-called well i don't want to speak for anybody other than me yeah. I don't want to, and I don't want anyone else to have to. So when I say these resources are great, I'm like, yeah, but they don't speak right. for a lot of experiences. Yeah. So take them, read them. I hope yeah. you're reading books from authors all over the world. Right. I hope you are taking into account how much God loves all of them. And I think, yeah. yes, you know, um, John Perkins is an amazing Christian. He's just an amazing Christian and he's written lots of books on the matter. Um, I love following, you know, what Eugene Cho puts out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as far as his history, there's so much. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's there's, the, there's just read all the voices. Yeah, that's the challenge. Is you know, we're so quick to try to put this stuff into the microwave and have it come out hot and ready for yeah. us. Like, uh, no one's experience is totality, right? So, sure. um, it's the challenge because even within like you know, what happens now is you have people who have a different experience from me, right? Who look like me, but have a different experience from me. And they say, well, you know, that's not, that wasn't my experience and that doesn't really capture my heart for this. And it's true, you know, like right. there's, there's, this thing is not as much about fixing the issue out there as it is fixing the issue inside. Yeah, that's so good. You know? So good. I think there's a ton of great resources. There are a ton of people who are able to communicate their experience really well and their heart really well. But this is about your heart. This is about our hearts and how we get to a spot where we can experience the freedom that God has for us. And that freedom says, I can look at you and you and you and you guys can look completely different. And my first thing isn't going to be oh, they're probably like this because this is the color they are. It's going to be like, let me see who they are, how they define themselves, find out what's familiar to me, what's not, and love them so that I can enter into a deeper and better relationship. And some of them I might not, not want to because I don't like the football team they like. But, you know, like, at least I'm not stopping it at just the color of their skin. Right. Yeah, I think one of the things you're drilling in on is, like, 
yes, information is important. Yes, education is important. Yes, listening to multiple voices is important because that helps expand our viewpoint, if nothing else. But ultimately, any system is only as strong as the relationships upon which it's built. And so you can educate yourself to the, to the nines. And if you're not willing to have a conversation, if you're not willing to actually cross the street and, and talk to someone, if you're not willing to engage interpersonally, then what good has that really done you? And yeah, because why aren't you, you know, because for all your knowledge, mm -hmm. you don't have the understanding, right? And, mm -hmm. and so I think it goes back to looking at, well, it goes back to looking inside. Why? That's yeah. the question we should all be asking. Where are we on this, in this, you know, how far have we gone on this bridge to kind of reconciling how we deal with people who don't look like us? And why are we there? What's led us to be there? And do we want to stay there? If we do want to stay there, why? If we want to get further, then, you know, this is what we like start looking at and figuring out and working towards. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So it's a, it's a complex thing that I think if you don't have relationship with, it's really tough to, to talk about because you can't get that, you can't drill that far into it in a casual conversation or even a conversation with no personal relationship. Yeah, or even like we've been, you know, we've been talking for, you know, 45 minutes or whatever at this point and like we're scr barely scratching the surface of any of that. And so I guess two things, one, I would love to like, I mean, you know, like we're going to have, we're going to continue to have conversations because we're friends and that's how that's going to be. But I would love to like find a way to have this be a continued conversation, even in this, uh, in this forum, if you're up for it. And then, um, and then I'd love to like, I'd love to hear maybe in like two minutes or less, each of you, um, what has you hopeful? Uh, you answer that one first. What has me hopeful? <laughs> um, you know, I think that I'm hopeful when I spend time in my word, you know, I just, I know God's heart and I know he's promised us justice, you know, and he's promised us that we, you know, that his kingdom is going to come and we are going to have his heart, you know, and I'm hopeful, honestly, uh, you know, cities are being torn up. People are being torn up. Um, and this is going to sound weird and I hope it comes out the right way. God can't heal what's not in the light. Mm -hmm. Too many people have walked their Christian walk, making the agreement, which is sinful, not to cross the street, mm -hmm. not to see mm -hmm. how every church on earth worships as an expression of God not to understand it through God's eyes. It's been, it hasn't been in the light. And I'm hopeful because, you know, anytime you express pain and you cry out and you say, God, this is affecting us and this is hurting us, God answers, he hears it, right? And that's been happening for a long time. I'm not gonna say nobody's talked about it, nobody's expressed prayers about this, but, um, you know, godly people um, engaging in conversations and expressions of what they want to see change is good. It's part of God moving. And so, you know, that brings me hope. I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. I feel like the, the, um, 
this is rising to the surface. Yeah. And I think, you know, things have to. Mm-hmm. So. Oh, man, I, you know, it's, it's a tough time. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna front just like I'm discouraged. Um, in a lot of different ways, but I think one thing that gives me hope is, um, is kids, is our children, Mm. is, um, you know, that when they can be trained up in the right way, they can, they can make a big difference. I've, I've been noticing a little bit of a, a trend on some people that I follow on social media and they're all people that, um, in my estimation are saying the right thing about, what's going on right now. And they all seem to be people who have come from a similar kind of experience. And what it tells me is that their experience that they grew up with, and I'll just be plain, they, they're typically families, they're kids who had parents that look like, like Molly and I, right? They, um, you know, could be the mom was African-American and dad was white, whatever. But uh, I feel the compassion and the the grace for this situation being expressed in them in a way that I don't feel with everyone else. And so, um, you know, I think, like I've told Molly, and I'll, I'll wrap it up with this, one of the benefits I've said to her, one of the benefits of growing up as an African-American in this country is you have really good radar, you develop pretty good radar for who sees you as a person first and who sees you as, you know, not a person first, sees you as color and makes their judgments on that. Uh, I think it's the same thing for these kids that grow up and that look like Molly and I, our sons do, is that they grow up understanding that hopefully they grow up that they recognize it's a spiritual thing, but they also grow up knowing that uh, it doesn't have to be like it is that there is plenty of grace and plenty of love uh, for relationships and for people that look every kind of way and they don't have a hard time extrapolating it out to other ethnicities. It just seems to come a little easier. And I guess I would say that's something that, uh, that makes me hopeful. Yeah. Well, I mean, it comes back to relationship and context, right? Like if I've, if I've lived in healthy relationship with other people, that you know look different come from different backgrounds if i've if i've experienced that then i'm it's easier for me to to extend that to others and i i I think it goes back to this is that like you know even back as far as like the abrahamic covenant or abrahamic blessings that that god said i'm gonna bless you and and every nation of the earth is either gonna be blessed or cursed through you and we're we we have been blessed with relationship with with um with a certain amount of freedom with all kinds of different things. And we've been given those things so that we can give those to others. The, the experiences that we've been given are there for the benefit of ourselves, but also of the next person and the next person and the next person. And I, I love that about the way that our faith is structured and the, the way that God has, has orchestrated our lives. I love that our relationship is for our, for, for one another, but it's also for our kids it's also for our friends. It's also for our church. It's also for our neighborhoods and our communities. And if we can begin to, to live that way, then I think those are the things that give me hope. And, and I, and I don't, again, I don't mean to, sh- I, you, you said this earlier and I totally agree. I don't mean to microwave it, you know, like, I don't want to like, 
I don't want to go, okay, well, we've had this conversation, so everything should go back to normal. Like, I don't want to go back to normal. Right. I don't want to go back to where we were in any way, shape, or form. Like, I want, I, I don't want, like, the sort of weak-minded peace that's just simply the absence of conflict. Right. I want the peace. I want the shalom of God that we're talking about, the, the fullness and the wholeness of life that we're meant to live in. I want us to move forward together in peace because we have one another's best in mind, not just that we're tired of fighting or we're tired of seeing buildings burn, or we're tired of seeing people abused or whatever. Like I want us to actually move forward with the intention of your good and my good together. Yeah. Mm. It's wonderfully said, Brandon. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So. Yeah. I think uh, you know, having each other's best in mind and recognizing that each other's best is returns to us. Yeah, it's all of our best, you know. Mm -hmm. It's all of the best together. So. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I I want to honor you guys' time, and so um, I know you've got two little boys that are probably itching to go play football right now, or check out new cleats, or yeah. run routes. They're already, they're already right. They're right over on the other side of the door. They're kind of like leaning, like how much longer? <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I'd love to continue our conversation. Let's let's yeah. talk through how to do that, and then. Again, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for taking the time out of your schedules to be here. And, um, and let's just continue to, to do what we're doing, to have the right conversations and to, and like you said, to, to have one another's best at heart and in mind and just be intentional about those things. I know you guys are, and this is, these are good reminders for me too, to just make sure that everything we do has, has some intentionality behind it, not just we're doing something just to do it. Yeah, no, this is a blessing for us, man. We're, you know, it's always good to connect and to grow together some more. I think sometimes we have seasons where, you know, we don't get to connect as much, but uh, it feels great to know uh, about what you're doing and how God's leading you and your family. And we uh, support you 110%. We are uh, looking forward to just seeing what God does because we know it's going to be something cool. Yeah, it's going to be even cooler when you guys move to Colorado and join us. Uh, all right, we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. <laughs> There's the old saying that God loves you, and I have a wonderful plan for your life. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, all so, right, blessings, bro. All right, Thanks. love you guys. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Okay. All right, we'll do. Thanks again for tuning in to StoryCast, the podcast of Story Church of Colorado Springs. If you'd like to get more information on how you can be involved, you can go to storychurchco.org. Next week on the program, we'll be interviewing Dr. William Patton Dodd, who works with the HEB Foundation in San Antonio, Texas.